All right, just try one more time. Hello, Overlake. Oh, you make me feel so warm. Thank you. Hey, my name's Mike, one of the pastors on the team. Go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout, and uh, you'll notice that we are continuing a series called Less Stuff, More Life. I just want you to know that I count it a great honor to be on this journey with you, to be worshiping Jesus here in this location. For those of you who are joining us online, thank you for that. We, we just are very, very excited about what God is doing in our midst and, and the people that he is calling us and actually creating us to be. It's just really, really cool. And what I want to do is I want to start today with the words of Jesus. So these are some of the words of Jesus, and uh, it'll, it'll give us some indication of where we're going today. Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get. And I want you to see this from an, uh, sort of an agricultural perspective, because that's kind of the setting that he was talking to in the first century. He's talking about like a, a grain. He's talking about um, having a basket filled with grain. And he's saying, um, look, when you bless others through giving, you're going to be blessed back. And then the visual he gives is like you're sitting there holding a basket, and it's filled with grain. And God just fills it up with grain. And then not only does he fill it, but he presses it down and then shakes it together to get all of the air out and then continues to pour over. So you're sitting there with a basket overflowing with grain. It's all on your lap. It sounds a little dirty to me, but, but that's like a beautiful picture of God's blessing for us. If we can get our minds around this idea of his generosity. Now, uh, the reason why it's called less stuff, more life is really, really simple. It's because as uh, all of us are here in this American culture that we live in, we fall prey to the more stuff equals more life mentality. And so often we, we end up thinking more along cultural norms than we do with the mindset that Jesus has for us. So I'm just here to proclaim joyfully and, and just freely before you that if we could get our minds around this, that less stuff really does equal more life, then we are the ones that will benefit from it. So that's where the premise of this whole series is going. We're going to knock it out of the park next week, and I really hope that you come back and worship with us then. Um, but I want you to know that I have heard from many of you this week. Now, because I shared that I cleaned out my closet last week, that I was going to clean out my garage this week, and, and I heard from so many of you, and this is what I heard. Thank you for the nudge to clean out my closet. That's what I heard a lot, that many of you were saying, you know what, I was right on the edge, I knew it needed to happen, I knew I needed to get in my garage, thank you for that encouragement. In fact, I, I shared last week that I cleaned out my garage, I found a watch, or my, my closet rather, and I found a watch, and somebody Facebooked me this week and said, you know what, I cleaned out my closet, and I found a necklace that I never had seen before. And I just, you know, I hit her back. I said, that's what happens. You know, we clean out our stuff, and angels come and give us jewels. That's, that's the, no, no, that's, that's not the case. Um, but I, I just want you to see this idea of, of, okay, what's going on? So here's my encouragement to you, Overlake. We really are asking everyone to join us in this. Over 300 of you said, yeah, that's what we'll do. I'm in. I want to unclutter. Um, if you do, would you please take some photos? 
Take the before and after photo of your closet or of your garage. Send them in. We want to post them next week and just celebrate the work that's happened. Even if you get a big pile of stuff you want to give away, take a photo of that as you give it away just because we want to celebrate what it looks like for us to unclutter our lives so that we can bless others. Now, I want you to know that I did tackle my garage this week. I've got more work to do, but I spent several hours in the garage, and this is what I found. I found several bins of old clothes that are ready to be given away, sporting equipment, snowboarding shoes my kids have outgrown, two pieces of furniture, two bicycles, and one piano. That's a lot of stuff that your pastor was hoarding in his garage, all good, usable stuff that could be a blessing to other people. And so I want you to know that as we're walking this road, I'm walking this road with you, that as I divest my, my, my home of, of stuff, that I feel like I'm living a better life. I feel that there's more freedom. I feel that there's a great blessing as we unclutter and declutter. We're the ones who are blessed, okay? So that's really, and I'm fired up about this. You can tell. Now, I did talk to one guy who thought that last week's message had nothing to do with him. Now, and and here's the deal. You need to know this about this. Dear friend of mine, but he, um, he has no clutter in his life. Every single thing on his desk and in his office and in his home and in his garage, it is all in exactly the right spot. He has no extra whatsoever. His house and his car are immaculate to the tune of like he takes Q-tips and cleans out the air vents in his car, right? And, and so the message really didn't apply to him. But you know, he's on medication for that condition. And, and honestly, for the normal people, right? For, for the rest of us, this thing really hits home for us. And, and so uh, I, I just want to say that, that I'm excited as we journey along this road together because the premise is really, really simple. That right now in our lives, right now, without any change, there are thousands and tens of thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of resources in our possession that could be released to God's kingdom. And we want to be about that. So uh, I, I, again, the, the premise, less stuff equals more life. And that's the invitation that Jesus invites us to. I found this great quote about what clutter does to us. It's, it's from a man named Peter Walsh, a book he wrote that I've been working through this series. It says, clutter erodes our spiritual selves. No matter what your spiritual or religious beliefs are, each of us is called to be the best person we can be. Everyone has a vision for how they want to live, what they want to achieve. We are all filled with potential and dreams, not only for ourselves, but also for our children and others we love. All this gets lost when your stuff takes up so much room, it becomes an obstacle between you and your goals. The things you own should be tools to achieve your dreams and goals, not hurdles that impede your progress. Wow. See, the hope is that our possessions would actually provide a launching pad for us to live full life. The truth is that our possessions end up possessing us, and our clutter takes a toll on our lives, our spirits, our minds, even our health, our relationships. So it's really important for us to to go at this with the mind of Christ. Last week, I introduced a friend of uh, mine, an overlaker named Jay, who was a producer on the television show Hoarders. 
Well, today I want to introduce you to another friend of ours, an overlaker uh, named Danielle. And Danielle is an organizer who two different times she was asked to be on the show of Hoarders, two different episodes, in order to help organize uh, one of the houses. She has a kind of a side business where she's an organizer. She's been to my house a couple of times. Would you please welcome my friend Danielle as she comes to share with us just a little bit. So yeah, come on up, Danielle. There's a microphone for you. And uh, Danielle, I know that you have a full life and you are the mother of five, correct? And uh, you you have a a full-time gig and this business on the side. The first question I want to ask, just on behalf of all of us, is, is your home as organized as you make others' homes be? Most of the time. Okay. Not always. So if you were to come in the house, if you saw, you know, I, usually I have a project going on. So it's not perfect. Most organizers' houses are, aren't perfect. Um, the thing I like to tell people is, I mean, we're all in progress. Our houses are all in progress. So it's kind of that, that same thing. Perfection, we cannot, right, can't right. have it. Um, what are some of the, um, what are some of the problems or the trends you see in some of the different homes that you come into uh, that you help organize? I think probably the biggest one is the letting go. It's really emotional for a lot of people. Um, People also have a lot of guilt about the stuff that they've collected. They don't want people to see the stuff that they have. Um, Having physical clutter really kind of what I call, it creates brain clutter or emotional clutter too. So it kind of all wraps up together. All right, so you definitely see that clutter in a garage or home also equates to clutter in the mind. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. That's, that's, That's my problem. Um, uh, what are some of the common techniques that you use as you, as you help organize? Um, well, first of all, I just, the biggest thing is I want to help people de-stress because usually we're stressed out about our clutter. Um, simplifying is a big deal. And part of that is setting up systems. So one of the big tricks is when you're going through all your stuff, getting rid of things, use dark paper or dark garbage bags. Okay. People are tempted to go back and grab things after they've tossed them. Mm-hmm. And um, same thing for donating. So that's one of the things that I do right, as I right. teach that little trick. Um, you have noticed that people get emotionally attached to uh, items, our stuff. What is some of the counsel that you bring if you sense that going on? I try to coach people. I try to ask them questions. You know, why are you holding on to it? Um, If it was something really sentimental to you, that's a really big one. Mm -hmm. Um, Grandma's dishes, for instance. If if you love those dishes, but you're not using them, then you're not honoring that memory. And your grandma, you know, your dishes are not your grandma. They just evoke a memory. So I tell people, hold on to one little thing that you can look at, that you can use, or, you know, and then give them to somebody else who's going to enjoy them. That's one of them. Can you describe a healthy mentality toward our stuff? Um, yeah, I think that you just need to realize it's stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a lot of it. We need to be thinking more about what we want to enjoy in life. And I think our stuff holds us back a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll spend weekends just cleaning up rather than doing fun things with our kids. That's one of Peter Walsh's big things. It's like enjoy life and, and get rid of the clutter. So that's, right. um, that's one of the things I try to that's help people with, coach them through. 
Now, Danielle has, uh, she has a side business, like I mentioned. I want to put her website up. Uh, after the first service, a couple folks ran over and just grabbed her right away. Um, but uh, I do want you to know that uh, she did not ask us to do this. This is something I wanted to provide. And she'll answer your questions for free. So it's not yep. like she's trying to, uh, you know, make a business opportunity here. But really, we believe in this, and we want to help people de-stress and yes, unclutter. Yes, absolutely. So. Any tips you need, yeah. just send me an email. That's great. Can All we right. thank Danielle for thank being here today. Thank you so much. So as we think about the idea of of being more simple, going after a simpler lifestyle, there are a couple of different questions that are extremely helpful. And the first question that you need to ask is you look at a closet, you look at some stuff that you're deciding what to do with. The first question, is it useful? Is it useful to me? Not was it useful, but is it useful? Not, not it could it be useful, but is it useful to me? That's the question of function. We need to understand, uh, you know, okay, this has a function in my life. The next uh, question to ask is not only is it useful, but is it beautiful? Is, is it beautiful? Does it, does it evoke, uh, so, does, does it lift my emotional state? My, am I lifted as a, you know, as a human to sort of lofty heights when I look at this thing? And not just is it beautiful, so let me put it in a box and stick it in the attic, but is it beautiful? Can I display this somewhere in my home? So is it useful? Is it beautiful? And friends, at Overlake, we're always keeping it real. We always want to not just pretend ch- play church, but you know, be the church. So the third question is just very gut level, is it crap? All right? Is it useful? Is it beautiful? Is it? Because listen, nobody wants your crap. You don't want it. Nobody wants it. The, the place for that's the trash. Like throw that out. Don't keep it. Don't store it. Don't coddle it. Don't like just get rid of it. If it's broken, if it's, if it's you know. So you have to just kind of think through, and this will help us become more simplified in our lifestyles. Now, Danielle mentioned this a little bit, but I I do want to go through some excuses that we continue to offer. And so you'll see a list of those on your notes. You can check the ones that are most relevant to you. All of them might not be. But these are some excuses that would prohibit simplicity in our lives. So the first thing, you look at something and you say, well, I might need it someday. Friends, preparing for every eventuality is not our calling. Right? Thinking that something, some accident, some situation might arise, you know, two years hence is not a good reason to keep it today. All right? I might need it someday. That's, that's just, it's an excuse. It prohibits our simplicity. The next, I don't have the time to take care of this. I don't have the time to clean this closet. I don't have the time to organize my desk. I don't have the time to get in my garage. This is procrastination. Right? And, it, and it prevents us from, from dealing with something. Now, uh, over 300 of you uh, had checked the box last week. I'm going to unclutter something this week. I don't want to do show of hands. How many of you got around to it this week? I just want to encourage you, go ahead and begin. Take the first step, right? Procrastination keeps us, and, and we want to begin to move. The next excuse, it's too important to let go. And Danielle mentioned that, that we get emotionally attached to things. It's so important. And what I would just encourage is think about how you honor that memory or that person, whatever the emotional import is, without, um, without keeping everything in order to do that. I'll give you one example. I'm a dad who loves my three kiddos. And many of you are parents, you know this. And every year in elementary school, our children produce art. 
right? They just produce it. They produce it often. They produce it for Mother's Day, Father's Day. They just all this art being produced. And they give you the gift, and you're like, oh, that's so sweet, and I want to keep it. I want to honor this memory. I remember you when you were eight, you know? But what we do is we end up keeping it all, and then we put it in a box, and then we don't enjoy it ever. And what folks like Danielle say is, no, 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 pick one or two of the pieces of art that are especially meaningful or beautiful and frame them and put them on the wall. And then the rest of it get rid of, right? They, they, you actually honor and reflect on and are, are, are um, uh, reminded of what's important daily, but, but you don't have these boxes of stuff that are just cluttering your life. Uh, the next one, it's worth a lot of money. Now, there's a really interesting conversation we should have between worth and value. Because you say it's worth a lot of money, but it's been sitting in your garage for six and a half years. That's, it's not worth anything. If you're not using it, if no one's using it, it's not worth anything. So don't let that be an excuse. Next thing, it's not a problem. I call this out of sight, out of mind. Uh, I was talking to a buddy this week, and he said, you know, he and his wife had a really neat paradigm going. She would clean the house, put stuff in boxes, put it in the garage. He would clean the garage and take that stuff in the garage, put it in the attic. And they just never thought about it because it was out of sight, out of mind. And then one day they moved, and they decided, oh, we better get that stuff out of the attic. And, and the, the, the husband and wife, they were just kind of sitting there watching box after box come down. They're, oh, my gosh, how did the rafters not give in, right? Like, it says, we can't do that. We can't just, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's not a problem. Um, by the way, we talked about this last week, but one of the key indicators of every single compulsive hoarder is that they do not recognize that it's a problem. Danielle was telling me the situation, um, there, are, there are hoarders ranked class one to five, and, and five is the worst hoard ever. It's like, you know, they're, well, I won't go into it, but it's really gross stuff that happens in, in level five. And she went into a level five home for the television show, and the first question that the, the gal asked her was, do you, do you think I have a problem with hoarding? And the stuff was floor to ceiling. She couldn't make it into her kitchen the, the plumbing in her bathroom. She, she hadn't been to the, her actual bathroom for years. And she was asking if she had a problem with hoarding. Friends, that's, that's a problem for us, that we don't recognize that this is a problem. Okay, it's an excuse that keeps us from living simple. Uh, the next one, it's too overwhelming, right? So we look at our garage, we say, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. So you don't start. So friends, I just, I want you to understand that the key that I'm trying to, to walk with you in this journey is that we would just begin. We make a commitment to begin the process of living simply. We just take the first step. The next one is wrong comparison with people who have more. We talk about this, friends, comparison is a killer. We never recommend comparing yourself to someone else, comparing your stuff to someone else, comparing your bank account, comparing your spiritual walk. We never recommend comparing. But I would suggest that because so often we do compare, then I would just tell you this. We're comparing ourselves to the wrong people. That there are about 7 billion, getting up towards 7 billion people on planet Earth. And the only people that we compare ourselves to are the few million who have more than we do. 
It's just the few million. And honestly, you can find out sort of where you rank. Global rich list will tell you exactly how rich you are according to the world population. But you will see that there are only a few million that are more wealthy, that have bigger homes, nicer cars, more in the bank than we do. And there are billions who have less. And again, I'm not recommending comparing, but I just want you to understand that there are over 2 billion people alive on planet Earth today who, when they are asked, what is their picture of heaven, describe the life that you and I are living right now. My picture of heaven is that I would have clothes to wear in my closet. My picture of heaven is that I would have a safe place that would be warm for my family to sleep. My picture of heaven is that I would have access to clean drinking water. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you are ever tempted to compare your lot in life, I would just encourage you, don't compare with the wrong people. Compare with, with the folks who look at your life right now and daydream about living it. Do you see what I'm saying? That would definitely help us to be more content, to live more simply, and, and to honor folks who, uh, who are struggling in this world. In fact, I've got a buddy who, um, he lives much more simply than he can afford to. And what he does is he says it connects me with my brothers and sisters around the world who live in poverty. So I'll give you a couple of examples. He's made a commitment um, to every time he showers, and he showers, it's a, that's a good thing, he showers, but when he showers, he showers with cold water. And he says, every time I shower with cold water, it just connects me with my brothers and sisters around the planet who don't have access to hot, you know, hot showers daily. He, rides, he sold his extra car. They had two cars in the home. They sold one of them. He bikes to work. He said, every time I bike to work, no matter what the weather, it connects me to my brothers and sisters around the planet who every day hop on a bicycle as, as the highest form of transportation in their village and go out and do kingdom work. He said, it just connects my heart. It keeps me grounded and humble. So you see how that could be an honoring thing. I, I want you to know there are all different ways that we can go with this. I want to talk about a couple of different antidotes that we can apply in our life that would help us to live more simply. The first one, if you're filling in the blanks, approach generosity with the attitude of Christ. Now, we would approach generosity the way that Jesus did. And again, we're trying to get our minds around where Jesus is in all of this. Of course, Jesus is not the only one who preaches generosity. Uh, John the Baptist does in Luke 3.11. John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. That's pretty straightforward, right? If you have two shirts, give one. If you have food, share it. And it's a, it's a, it's a great challenge. Um, I, I remember uh, just a sort of an antidote that I heard, an antidote, I don't know how to say this, a, a story, a little joke, I don't know. Uh, it, it was about a farmer talking to his preacher. And he said, you know, the farmer was going, hey, preacher, listen, I love how you talk about generosity. I just want you to know that if I had $2 million, I'd give the church one. And the preacher said, wow, that's great, man. The farmer said, you know what? If I had two barns, I'd let the church use one. And the, the preacher said, that's really cool too. The farmer said, I'll even go further than that. If I had two tractors, I would let the church have one. And the preacher said, that's great. He goes, let me ask you a question. If you had two pigs, would you give the church one? And the farmer said, no way. And the preacher said, well, why not? And the farmer said, because I have two pigs. <laughs> right? 
And the reality, that was not very funny, was it? I, I get it. Like, uh, but it does sting a little bit because that's what John is saying here. He's saying, look, if you have two shirts, give one away. And I'm pretty sure that we all have two shirts. The, the, the generosity that the Bible talks about is practical generosity. It's you start where you are. You start with what you have, and you become generous then. You know, often we say, you know what, if I won the lottery, then I'd be generous. And Jesus says, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you being generous now. I remember hearing uh, Pastor Moses in Katali, Kenya, preach on this verse, Luke 3.11. And he was challenging his congregation, if you have two shirts, you are a wealthy person. And I remember looking at, at his congregation, thinking to myself, you know what, I bet there are many in his congregation that don't have two shirts. The generosity is very practical that the Bible teaches, and yet it's for life, right? Less stuff, more life. Now, of course, Jesus talks about this as well. Jesus says in Luke 6, 29, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. One of the things about this verse, they're not even asking nicely, right? They're demanding your coat. And Jesus says, even then, go ahead and give them your shirt, right? Go ahead and, and, and just go outlandish with your love. Go outlandish with your generosity. Well, what about if they're my enemies? What about if they get under my skin? What about if they, you know, talk bad about me? What about if they like the San Francisco 49ers? Like, I, I, how, how far do we take this thing, you know? And Jesus says this, a couple verses later, love your enemies, do good to them. Uh, circle this phrase, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. What's that? If you lend to someone without expecting to be repaid, that's called a gift, right? Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you'll be truly acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Our, our, our Father is so good that he pours gifts out on folks who are even who are unthankful to him. And, and we're to do the same, right? We're to walk in our Father's footsteps, and, and we're to give like he does. So one of the challenges that I want to bring over, Lake, very practically, is what I would call the in-out challenge. Real simple, the in-out challenge means that if you bring something new into your home, that you would also give something away. Pretty simple. Most of us think like this when it comes to, say, our cars. We're like, you know what? I, wanna, I bought a new car. I got to get rid of the old one. Most of us get rid of the old one, like trade in to get a new one. But you need to see it's sort of that principle, but applied everywhere. If I buy a new set of, you know, jeans, I, I got to get rid of the old jeans. I can't fit in my old jeans anyway, uh, so I might as well do that. Like, whatever you bring in, you, and, and the challenge I want to bring is that I'm going to call this holiday prep. Christmas is coming, you guys know that, and, and here's the deal. When we think about preparing for the holidays, typically we think of shopping, and so before we even get to shopping, I'm going to encourage you to do a little purging in your life. I want to challenge you, for those of you who are parents, I want to challenge you to even teach your children to do this. See, one of the things that my wife Jody does with our kiddos, she gives them each a big box, and she says, all right, go up into the playroom. This box is your box to fill. And what we're going to do is we're going to, knowing that Christmas is coming and you got grandparents that are like, you know, over the top and the whole deal, we're going to fill this box with toys that are good and we're going to give it to other kids to play with. Now, I want to just challenge you to kind of walk this road in your own life with your children. Let me give you two rules for this 
okay? First rule is you can only put stuff in your box that is your toys, all right? (laughs) It's so easy to be generous with stuff that's other people's, right? And the challenge is that you would just be thinking through it. And then the second rule is just you got to fill the box, you got to fill the box. And this would be a good time, if you do this, parents, with your children, it'd be a good time to go back to that verse that we started with, Jesus' words, saying, look, when you give, it'll return to you. That when you, when you bless others, that Jesus is going to bless you, okay? So it's just a, a great opportunity. Again, I want to give you some, some places where we can give our stuff away, turn them into resources that will bless other people. It's on the back of your notes. It's under this heading, Uncluttered to Give. And you will see a whole bunch of... Um, uh, nonprofits and, and, and recycle opportunities, ways in which uh, the stuff that is in our possession can actually become useful to others. Acts 3.6 has a really interesting verse. Uh, this is Peter, the apostle Peter. He says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I would love to have you circle the words, what I have I give. What I do have, that's what I'm going to give. See, this is where it gets really, really practical. Look, there, there might be a lot of stuff we don't have. There might be a lot of things we wish we could give, but we can't. But we do have, and so what we do have, let's give. And let's use that to bless, to bless others. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've even got more, right? Because the rest of the verse talks about, look, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What we do have as followers of Jesus, we can share the love of Christ, We can share the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness that he offers. We can share the hope that we have in Jesus, and we can pray for others. We can share the healing of Jesus as well. So there's all kinds of stuff that we can share if we're following Jesus. Um, But I just want you to make this very practical. Generosity in the mind of Christ starts with where we are. Not where we wish we were, but where we are right now, okay? The next challenge for us, the antidote, is that we would live simply, that we would have more simplicity and embrace a more simplicity kind of a lifestyle. Friends, you know this, but everything in our lives tends to get cluttered. Not just our homes, our garages, our closets, but we're talking about our calendars get cluttered. Our, our minds get cluttered, right? That, that there, there's, a, there's just a general cluttering, and this is an encouragement to embrace simplicity, Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet all your needs. I wonder if right now in your heart you could just say that as a prayer. I believe, God, that you will meet all my needs. I believe that you'll meet all my needs. Some of you have incredible needs. Some of you came in and are hurting today. Do we believe that God... He knows us and he loves us and he cares for us that he will meet all of our needs. And and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we hoard, why we gather to ourselves, why we just why we have so much clutter in our lives is because somewhere, someplace in our lives that we're not believing that God will meet all our needs. Why those list of excuses that we just keep going back to, it's because at some place we just we don't believe that God will meet all our needs. So my challenge is that we would embrace simplicity, that we would trust that God will meet all of our needs. And and Overlake, this is going to look different for all of us. I'm not saying that one size fits all, but I just want you to know that there is is a a great journey ahead of us if we're going to embrace 
a more content and a more simple lifestyle. And I just want you to see that there's so many right in your midst that are taking this very, very seriously. I know a couple uh, of families that the, the husband and wife, their combined income's over $100,000, and yet they have made a commitment to live on half of their income so that they could release the other half to Kingdom Resource. I know um, of life groups that are gathering together resources and working as a cooperative so that not everyone has to buy all of the same stuff. For example, in yard work. Kind of silly that in six families that everyone has to buy, you know, a lawnmower and an edger and a raker. And (laughs) you can see I'm not that good at yard work. But... uh, You know, they're saying, hey, let's set up one tool shed that we all have access to, and let's make sure that we care for these tools, and that way we only need to have one lawnmower for six families as opposed to six. Are you following me? So that they could release uh, those resources to kingdom. Uh, I I know folks who have done really, really well with stock options and IPOs and, and, you know, real hard work and investment, and and so now they've got this uh, abundance, which they don't even consider theirs, but they just consider it God giving them to steward for, for kingdom projects. And I know more, and this humbles me to walk with you. I just, I feel like I don't even deserve to rub your shoulders as we journey together, but people who are, who are not abundantly blessed financially, and yet even as you live and steward your resources, you constantly and consistently give generously. And I just, I just want you to see that, that there are so many ways in which this expression manifests itself. And I don't know what God's calling you. Last week we talked about maybe upping your giving by 1% just as an opportunity to say, Lord, this doesn't own me, you do. But I want to challenge you, whatever it is that the Lord's stirring, would you take that step this week? And Overlake, you know that the trajectory you're on is a beautiful one. I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You are, you are walking such a good road where you're becoming more gracious and more kind and more generous and more outlandishly loving. And I am so honored and privileged to walk with you. So this is the challenge that we would do, uh, the, the challenge that we'd embrace more simplicity, the challenge that uh, we would em- embrace the generosity that Jesus has and the, the last fill-in is, is really simple. It's the challenge for us that we would be free to say no to yourself. Be free to say no to yourself. And I say this because um, when you're a kid, you, you grow up and you kind of think, you know what adulthood means? It means I can say yes to myself. Right? You're, you're a kid, and, and your, your parents make you do homework, and you're like, oh, I hate homework. When I'm a grown-up, I'm, I'm only doing what I want to do. I'm never doing homework, you know? Uh, you're a kid. You want to buy some of the store. Your parents say, no, you can't have that candy at the store. You're, oh, God, when I'm a grown-up, I'm going to buy all the candy I want to buy, you know? You, are you following me? Like, that's kind of the, there's this subtle, subconscious reality that winning the game of life means I can say yes to myself all the time. Whatever whim, whatever desire, whatever I want, I'm going to go for that, buy that, do that. But I just want you to understand that that's not winning at all. In fact, I would be the most horrible tyrant of all to myself because my whims and my desires can go crazy. They go haywire. So I want you to see what the scripture says in Romans 8. The Apostle Paul's writing, he says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, 
You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation. You don't have to say yes to yourself all the time. Right? You, you can say no. You can be free. In fact, the freedom that Christ has offered to us, Galatians 5.1, it's so that we're not burdened again by a yoke of slavery, even slavery to ourselves. We're free. I'll just give you one practical example of how this looked in my life. About a year ago, I, I took back over the finances in our home. I had done it early in our marriage. Jody had been doing it for the last 10 years or so. But a year ago, I went ahead and took it back over. And I started seeing sort of the in and out of where all of the, the, the money was going, you know. And we were beginning to create a budget, the whole bit. And just the stuff that we talk about at Overlake all the time. So I looked. I saw there, there was this interesting expenditure that kept coming out. And it was almost daily. And it was almost always mine. And it was Starbucks. I know evil. (laughs) And so I realized that what had been going on in my mind was that at some subconscious level, it was, Mike, you've won when you can get yourself a Starbucks whenever you want. That, That winning for me was saying yes whenever I wanted to Starbucks. And so I began to initiate a new game. And the new game was that I was winning when I told myself no. Whenever I wanted a Starbucks, I would just I would tell myself no. And if I did tell myself no, that was winning. And I want you to understand that it, it was actually only a very little time before I got just as much pleasure internally out of saying no to my desire as I had previously in saying yes to it. We really can do this. We really can train ourselves. We really can live more simply, and we really can, again, like I've given testimony, we can experience greater freedom and more life when we have less stuff. We're not controlled by our own whims, our own fancy, our own desire to purchase. So as I close this message, I just want to really hammer home one key point. And if you don't get anything else from today's message, I really want you to catch this. So you have to listen. The Lord of the universe is for you. I'm not trying to teach you to get rid of your stuff, get rid of your junk, clean out your closet because God is down on you. I, I'm telling you without any hesitation whatsoever, God is for you. He loves you. He has grace for you. His kindness is for you. He has abundant life he wants to invite you into. God is for you. But catch this. He is more for you than you are for yourself. You and I consistently go after cheap substitutes instead of the rich life that God invites us to. So I really want to encourage you, as you take a look at your domain this week, as you take a look at your stuff, as you take a look at your finances and your closets, your garages, whatever it is, your your calendar, that you would very humbly offer it up to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I want this to be uncluttered so that I have space for you. I want to show you a prayer that I've been praying. And this is what we pray for over Lake. We pray for an uncluttered home to practice the hospitality of Christ. We pray for an uncluttered calendar to practice the pace of Christ. We pray for an uncluttered mind to entertain the thoughts of Christ. And we pray for an uncluttered heart to house the presence of Christ. And I would ask that you join me and let's pray for those things right now. 
Lord Jesus, we really do want to create space in our lives. We want to create space in our dwelling places. We want to create space in our calendars. We want to create space in our hearts where you are free to move unrivaled, where you are free to to reign on the throne of our lives and where we are free to experience the full measure of life that you have invited us into. Jesus, we just confess that there are these areas, these thoughts that, that we have that are like burdens that we carry and that we continue to shoulder. We know that possessions so often possess us and, and we just offer this now to you, this whole conversation. We offer it to you and we ask that you would give us your mind about generosity. We ask that you would let us walk clearly the next steps toward a more simple lifestyle. And lastly, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to say no to to these whims and these desires that we have. We want you, and we want our best life, and we know it comes from intimacy with you. So we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the one who forgives. Amen. Amen.